Welcome to All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Library's first podcast, All Things Pop Culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. And we are really excited to be here and to talk to you about all of the amazing things you can get at your library. You bet we're excited about it. I like that. That's (laughs) that's high energy, Jacob, and I liked it. Hey, it's what I do. Okay, so I was thinking, because this is our first episode, I want to start with something that is very close to my heart. Um, And based on a movie that is coming out this week, I think it just came out a couple days ago, and that would be The Disaster Artist. Do you Uh, know about this? I do. That is the James Franco project, Mm -hmm. I believe. Yes. Yes, it is. I don't want to bury lead. You look very excited about it. So why don't you you explain to us what exactly this is all about? Okay. It's kind of convoluted, but in a really great way. So The Disaster Artist, which I'm pretty sure came out December 1st, is starring James and Dave Franco. And it is based on the book, The Disaster Artist, My Life Inside the Room, which is based on the movie The Room. So to make that less confusing, a movie came out called The Room, and then one of the actors, Greg Sestero, who was in the movie, wrote a book about his experiences, and then they made that into The Disaster Artist. Yes. And it is getting quite a lot of buzz right at the moment for numerous reasons. James Franco's performance as the main one, of course, is getting a lot of praise. And just the subject matter is one that has got a lot of people really excited. Yes. The Room, which came out in 2005, is one of my all-time favorite movies. It stars Tommy Wusso and Greg Sestero. And it is an absolute abomination of a movie. It is the worst film probably ever made, which is not meant to discourage any listeners from watching it. No, even that um, wonderful choice of words of abomination is correct. It is a terribly acted movie. It looks it is It is intoxicatingly awful, though. But you watch it and you just can't turn away. There's just something about watching it that just makes you want to keep... Yeah, over the years it's gained um, a real cult following. It kind of started with celebrities in Los Angeles because the movie played for a really, really long time because of this mysterious wealth that the star and director Tommy Wusso had. So people ended up seeing it, and it was so terrible that they brought their friends. Um, and yeah, it's actually come to Buffalo a couple times with the director, which is, if it ever comes, it's one of the greatest experiences. But until then, the library does have a copy, uh, so you should definitely um, check it out and find out what an awful, dreadfully acted There's just movie so is. much behind the scenes on this movie. You, it cost $6 million. I don't know where they got the funding to make this movie or where it went. If you read the book, it explains like all of the really terrible, poor choices. But uh, just to get you in the mood for it, we're going to play a clip from the film so that you have an, under, an understanding of uh, some of the really brilliant acting and dialogue. Yeah, so let's play that. Here we go. Hi. Can I help you? Yeah, can I have a dozen red roses, please? Oh, hi, Johnny. I didn't know it was you. Here you go. That's me. How much is it? It'll be $18. Here go. Keep the change. Hi, doggy. You're my favorite customer. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye-bye. I never hit you. You shouldn't have any secrets from me. I'm your future husband. You sure about that? Maybe I'll change my mind. Don't talk like that. What do you mean? What do you think? 
Women change their minds all the time. <laughs> you must be kidding, aren't you? Look, I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to go upstairs and wash up and go to bed. How dare you talk to me like that? You should tell me everything. <laughs> I mean, what what else do you really need to say after listening to that? It's so good. It's just it's just the taste of it too, but it's really wonderful. Okay. So, what the movie is about, if I can say that, is um, there's a character, Johnny, played by Tommy Wiseau, and he has his best friend, and he has his girlfriend, Lisa, and what he doesn't know is that Lisa is having an affair with his best friend that he slowly figures out throughout the movie, which is um, also littered with the neighborhood boy. Uh, getting involved in a drug deal. They don't go back to that. That's just a one. It's just kind of like a one-minute scene. Yep. And at one point, uh, Lisa's mom talks about the fact that she went to the doctor and has cancer. Yes. Then they never talk about that. Very dramatic scene. (laughs) Very dramatic. We never 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 comes up again. No, not not at all. There is um, a football that they are constantly throwing between each other, standing about three feet apart. Throwing is generous. Is what you say? It's more like underhand tossing. I would say there are, um, we'll say, gratuitously long love scenes that usually when you go and see it in the theater, it is the. the designated uh, bathroom break. Yes. Um, Just get out. Um, Tommy Wusso, when he came to Buffalo, is really it's a, it's a life changing experience. He throws a football around and he wears uh, two belts and. He actually told me that I should kiss his cheek because he had just washed his face. So, uh, did did you kiss his cheek? Oh, you know that I did. And that picture is one of my most prized possessions. So, um, again, I know it is sometimes difficult to convince people to take their time to watch something that they already know is going to be terrible. But this is just a terrible. That feels really, really good. Yes, it's it's one of those rare, horrible movies that, like, halfway through it, you're like, "This is just a delight." Yes. I am happy with. Ev- I am sold in <laughs> on this entire idea right here. So check the movie out, then check the book out to find out how unbelievable the making of the film was and what an absolute disaster that was, and then uh, check out the Disaster Artist this week. And really, it's a, it's a perfect trifecta. Your life will be changed for the better because of it. Yes. I, ba- sure. I back that. Um, but it did make me think, so this is another James Franco movie. And I'm kind of fascinated with James Franco because I feel like he's really talented from movies like 127 Hours and the first Planet of the Apes, the, you know, the, the new installment of that. But then, like, why does he have 1,000 terrible movies? What's his deal? Yeah, it's a weird weird thing with um, James Franco because he's an Oscar-nominated actor. He was um, up for Best Actor for 127 Hours. He's yeah. Won, he's won a Golden Globe for the James Dean movie, the one that, like, basically oh, made I him a star. Oh, I forgot about that. Um, but, man, he just every once in a while puts out some stinkers. Like, uh, everybody remembers the one he did, uh, Your Highness, with Natalie Portman. Oh, yeah, that was a really terrible movie. She's really wonderful, too. I feel like there's just a law in Hollywood that you can't know if you're not in it that 
after you do good movies, you have to do some terrible movies. It's yes. just the way that it it's is. It's just, I don't know if Danny McBride like beat him in a bet and made him do that movie, but that is just terrible. He also, when he tried to become a big movie star, of course we remember from the Spider-Man movies. He was, you know, pretty yeah. good in those. But he also did movies like Flyboys and Tristan and I Sold when he was first coming up. Oh, yeah. And That's this is all the book too. post-Freaks and Geeks, too, because he made his... He was debuted on that show for Judd Apatow way back in the day. That's also, that is a wonderful show. To people, I feel like that really went under the radar, too. It's gotten a little more attention um, once Judd got huge, but I would definitely recommend uh, checking that TV series out uh, as well. I think that's pretty popular in the library once once people figured out how good oh, it yeah, is. Oh, yeah. If nothing else, you can just go celebrity watching in that movie. But it's just, it's so weird to think that Franco can be both such a great actor when he wants to be, and then just terrible. And this is, seems like the perfect merging of the two, because now he has to be an awesome actor at being an at absolutely being terrible, terrible actor. You're right, it was designed for him. He really, I think too that people may have seen the trailer and thought that it looked really ridiculous and he was overplaying a character, but I assure you, once you see the room, he is nailing yes. Tommy Wusso. He <laughs> talks just like him, that... Um, indiscriminate accent like no one knows where he's from what his age is it's wonderful what you can't get across in audio is just if you think his voice sounds weird if you look at this guy (laughs) it is just um it's i don't even know how to describe it it's like an alien being as you're looking at this guy he has a really clean face though oh well he does wash it He, he washes his face so so yeah that is our first we're really excited to start uh, this new podcast off with the room. So check that out and then check out the Disaster Artist in Theaters. It's kind of our, our life goal here. That's what this podcast is going to be. It's going to be a version of we'll the just, room. We'll just keep coming back to telling people to see it too. Also, we really wanted to recommend, so um, being released on December 19th is the movie Dunkirk, which if you missed in theaters, that is a bummer because yes. I saw it in IMAX. Although... It kind of, I thought my face was actually going to blow off in the theater, and I was 100% anxious throughout. So uh, Dunkirk is directed by Christopher Nolan, who's known for... Um, he's very famous. Inception, Inception he did yeah. the Batman trilogy. Interstellar. Memento. Basically. Did you see The Prestige? Oh, of course. That is underrated. That's a great movie. People forget about it or sleep on it, but that's Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale. It's fabulous all yeah. the way through. Um, but you know, it, it takes place World War II um, when the Allied forces are under attack by Germany, and they're in Dunkirk, France, and uh, you know their only hope at that point was to be evacuated. Uh, it definitely is like a, a different sort of storytelling. It doesn't really just follow one character. It has sparse dialogue, um, but it's also in three different timelines that all end at the same time which is kind of weird like one is over the course of a day one's over an hour yeah it's a weird way that they do with the time but it all fits perfectly as you're watching it yeah it's definitely a masterpiece of cinematography i mean i felt like i said i was really anxious it made me feel claustrophobic it made me i it made me have a fear of drowning of crashing of of darkness um but in a real, like, subversively stunning way. So yeah, it's it's well, it's a fascinating battle when you think about like all the all the parts of it combined. Um, the fact they were able to hold off the Germans while they can make the evacuation. Yeah. Um, the historical fact of why wasn't there more battles going on during it? It was just a whole idea. Um, it looks fabulous. It was shot a lot in IMAX cameras, which, as you said, 
made your face feel like it was gonna fly off in yeah. the theater. It was it was and he plays that track that like sound throughout that kind of gives you um anxiety like that. Mm. Yeah, it's like it's underrated with sound design sometimes, but like there's all it just builds tension the yeah. whole time. You're just Actually, always you know amazed. what? Let's let's play a clip to see if people can kinda get an idea um of just like the enormity of it. Alright, let's do that. Why? Why waste precious tanks when they can pick us off from the air like fish in a barrel? There are 400,000 men on this beach. He's coming back round. He's coming back round! Yeah, so you can hear it's it's really powerful. It's a really moving film. And... Um, it, it's going to look beautiful on Blu-ray, so when it is released in the library, I highly recommend people check that out if they have a Blu-ray player. If not, I'm sure it's going to look really good on DVD, and it's definitely worth checking out. So get your holds in today. Yeah, and if you are a, um Oscar aficionado, it's a good movie to pick up too because it is definitely going to be in numerous award categories. Yeah. Uh, Technical ones, acting ones, most best, li- most likely best picture. Best picture, maybe best best director. We'll see how that goes. Um, but while you're here picking up the uh, movie Dunkirk, you can also come up and pick up a bunch of books on the subject. Uh, the library mm-hmm. just picked up a brand new book, The Miracle at Dunkirk, by Walter Lord. So if you're looking for a com- good companion piece to this, uh, get a little more in depth. Yeah, learn exactly what was going on, uh, what the ramifications were, what the effects were like for the war as a whole, that'd be a good place to start. Um, I don't usually love um, war books, but there's definitely um, a couple good ones. Oh, like, yeah. did you read Unbroken? Oh, by Laura, Laura Hildebrand? Yeah. I did not, but I saw the movie. So that's another mm-hmm. one you could pick up, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's Laura, a really good book. It is. Um, uh, well, that's what everybody says. It's supposed to be a really good book. Yeah. The movie was really good, and it's a, such an inspirational Did you story. like the movie? I had heard negative things about it, but I, I haven't seen it yet. It's, you know, the, it's not so much the movie itself. It's more the story behind it. Like the whole, the whole situation with them with being in the Japanese POW camps and overcoming after being like mm-hmm. an Olympic, an Olympic athlete. It's a very good, uh, very good movie. Like the way that his guy's life just kind of okay. went from one thing to another. No, so. I'll check it out. I just heard it wasn't very good, but I don't mind the, um, Angelina Jolie's directing i just watched that first they killed my father on netflix which she directed that is also based on a book of the same name it's about the the khmer rouge and like just the massacre of cambodian people it's really it's really dark it's really hard to watch it's up angelina jolie's like wheelhouse there yeah one of her kids is from cambodia Actually, when I went to Cambodia, they they are obsessed with her, and they talked about her a lot, and they would point out, like, a hotel that when she stays at, she rents out the whole hotel, which they did not think was, like, I feel like Americans are like, oh, what a snob, and they're like, that's amazing. Like, the whole hotel is paid for then. Like, we love these things. Like, she gives a lot to that community, so... Sorry, tangent. We'll go back to <laughs> to the <laughs> world wars. Um, yeah, well, it's yeah, it's just all the same war. Um, you can also pick up numerous books on World War II. Um, another good author to look for is Stephen Ambrose. He's um, he tends to write these really, really long books. See the Band of Brothers guy. He is the Band of Brothers guy. Okay. He, um, wrote the Band of Brothers. He wrote a eight hundred page 
documentary style book on just D-Day itself, which I actually read when I was like younger hmm. for some reason. I don't remember why the heck I was reading it, but you were learning. I you were expanding I, your mind, Jacob. I know a lot about D-Day. Let me tell you, <laughs> if I have to, if I ever have to invade France, I'm your man. Yeah, all the all the all the corners taken care of. Mm, that. Keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, definitely come down to your local library. Um, pick up some books on World War II, and uh, you know, get a little bit of a little bit of an education for you. What else can you do as you come downtown? Um, you know what else? No, got that. Uh, you mentioned it. We also have a new exhibit down at the library. We do. We do. It's the World War One America anniversary. You know, it's the anniversary of when America entered World War One. Um, it's a bunch of um, artwork from the time. There's some books and stuff. Um, some um, uniforms that World War One soldiers would have been wearing. There's a lot of the uh, the propaganda posters. Yes. Which look amazing. Yeah, they're all hand painted. Uh, they look fabulous. Like, yeah, the space looks really great. If anything was going to make you want to go, you know, go to war, it's definitely looking at those things back yeah. in the day. It's going to be up for two years, but I mean, you might as well come down yeah, now. You know, you, we're all, library's always before it to snows it. too. Yeah. It's always it's always a good plan. Yeah, you got to remember, there's a uh, six months of snow where you know. Stop it. Stop that negativity. I'm sorry to bring it up. I don't. I don't want to think about that. Let's move on to something happier. Um, so on this Monday, December fourth, today is Jeff Bridges' sixty eighth birthday. Wow! Happy birthday, Jeff. Jeff. Happy birthday, Jeff. So we know Jeff from lots of things, but I think uh, one of our biggest ones, of course. Here we'll just we'll just play it. Are you employed, Mr. Lebowski? Oh, wait, wait. Let me let me explain something to you. Um, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Uh, Are you employed, sir? Employed? Okay, so that is the best. Yes. Obviously, so that is my favorite Jeff Bridges film and probably many people's The Big Lebowski. Um, but yeah, let's talk about some of his other movies. So last year, was it last year that this came out, Hell or High Water? Yes, I believe it was actually. Uh, he was up for Best Picture. He was up for Best Supporting Actor, I believe. That was such a good movie. Yes. Why didn't they talk about that enough? Like, they talked about it a little. I feel like some of the Oscar movies, when they come out early in the year, they're just forgotten by Oscar season, and I feel like that was one of the earlier releases. Yeah, it's, it's it got not like it's got some talk, but like I figured it was going to win more, and like it didn't end up getting everything was swallowed up by La La Land and Moonlight by the end. Yeah, of the that's Oscar true. Last year. Super enjoyable though. I highly recommend checking that one out. I also really love him. And have you ever seen Last Picture Show? You know, I have a confession. I have never seen Last Picture Show. It's a good one. I probably wouldn't have seen it either. I actually took a course in college that was all about film, and that was one of the ones that they showed us, so we got to discuss it. I think, not 100% positive, but it might be his first film, definitely with Sybil Shepherd. She's, <laughs> a, real, she's a, a real babe. They were real, they were real cute together. The past. Yeah, but that is um, also a really good movie. What other movies? Well, he's God. We don't have enough time in this podcast to go over him. He was uh, he won his first Academy Award. He's a Academy Award winner for Crazy Heart. Oh, that was good. Yeah, everybody kind of that's another that had movie. good music. People yeah. forget about that movie, but that was a really good one. Uh, he also starred in Starman, Tron, mm. True Grit. Oh, I loved True Grit. He's a good in those like Western cowboy. He's got that Jeff Bridges. Or I'm going to do this with the <laughs> yeah, thing there. That's a good one. Spitting stuff. You know, you said Starman. That made me think of K Pax. That was a good movie. I haven't thought of that movie in a while. 
Um, are we allowed? Are we allowed to think of that movie? <laughs> well, you can think about it. I don't. I don't know if we we're allowed to talk about it because uh, the co-star of that movie's got some got some issues at the moment. Yeah. So Kevin Spacey, who Oof. we Oof. all loved, now I don't know what we are supposed to feel about him. So that's an interesting sort of segue. Um, what do we do? There's a lot of actors coming out with these, you know, allegations of, of sexual assault and inappropriate behavior. And when looking back at their films or TV shows, is what is our role? Like, is entertainment a reflection of its stains and misdeeds? Or is it more a sum of its parts? And we need to take into account all of the other people that have worked on a film, you know, that haven't done terrible things. It is a tricky moment because, like, Kevin Spacey is really highlighting it for everybody because they, um, he's got, it's not like he's like a no name minor actor. Like, yeah. Kevin Spacey is a big, big name. Uh, he's got House of Cards, obviously, which has had to shut down production because of all this. I can't remember that. But are we happy that it shut down production or are we thinking of all of the other people that, that work on it. And I'm not even saying, I'm not even sure what my views are yeah. on this. It's all really fresh. Um, we're hearing it about a lot of people like Louis C.K. now. Yes. Uh, Brett Ratner, he's another one that's got that going on. Oh, that's right. And what did you tell me about Brett Ratner? With he, um, he was actually a producer on the first Wonder Woman movie. Uh, this just came out this week. Um, so he was set to be a producer on the new one, but Gail Godot um, came out and said she would not sign on because she's not contracted for any more movies. And so she wouldn't sign on if Ratner was part of it. Yeah, she said if Brett Ratner was in the production or had got any money from the movie, she would refuse to do it. So Universal wisely fired and cut all ties with Brett Ratner. See, and, so. I, and I love that. I feel like we all have to find our own path of do we judge everyone as one or, I mean, you look at, like, the Woody Allen of the world. Like, he's still making movies. He's mm -hmm. still hugely true. popular. And casting he had a, a real scandal. Cast, casting himself as a romantic lead is uh, an iffy prospect considering his past. Uh, Roman Polanski is another one. He uh been up for Best Director at least twice since his incidents in the 70s. Yeah. Which is why he's living in France nowadays. So I'm not sure. So any listeners, you should definitely, you know, Facebook us or tweet us what your feelings are on this. If you can separate the actor from the art or if there is just a whole mess of things that we shouldn't really enjoy. And then, you know, what's our role as a library with sort of, you know, keeping things to the public? So I think that's an interesting discussion that we'll probably come back to many yeah. more times. We got some more time to really absorb and think about it because it's a thorny issue. You can go both ways. Like both sides have have points to be made there. Yeah, it, it definitely can. Okay. Well, let's move on to things that are less depressing, yeah, less, less depressing. than our heroes <laughs> falling before our eyes. So I was thinking, now that it is officially getting cold outside, we should talk about some good winter books. Um, you know, books that you want to curl up with for a long time. So let's specifically talk about books that are more than 500 pages. So uh, I like where your brain's at here. You know, nothing you want to read in the summer no. because you're not going to, you know, throw this book in a bag and, and ride your bike to the park. But, you know, they're really good for when you get your library books and then you don't want to leave the house and yes. go back. So how about you? What is a long book 
Okay. That you loved. So I just finished it. Um, it was the newest Ken Follett book, A Column of Fire. It is uh, part three of the Kingsbridge book series. Okay. Uh, Pillars of the Earth and World Without End being the first two. Oh, it's part of that series. Yes. It's set in the same same town that they've been building up through Okay. I loved Pillars of the Earth, I just Su- want to say. Such a good book. Do you know that was actually my number one book that I would recommend to people? And then Oprah went and took it, and then it became hugely popular. It's a smart pick. It's got everything you'd want in it. I know, book. but then I couldn't recommend it as like my cool underground book. That's true. Sorry, these are my own woes. Go on. <laughs> Oprah. <laughs> once again, once again, our mortal enemy, Oprah Winfrey, <laughs> has reared her ugly head. Um, but A Column of Fire, the latest in the uh, the Ken Follett Kingsbridge series, set during Elizabeth Elizabethan England um, time when she's on the throne. Okay. And it, um, you know, the typical Ken Follett fashion, multi-generational, uh, tons of different characters. Everybody has overlapping arcs. Yeah. Um, you know, I actually saw that on your desk the other day, and I picked it up because you always have giant books on your desk, and it definitely had 928 pages. It was Every one of them, too. Good for you. Surprisingly an easy read, considering the length. Like, well, he's a good writer. Yeah. He just, he just really likes all of the words, and he needs to use all of them yeah, he, in every book. Yeah, he, he definitely got used to that. Like, there's words in there. I'm like, what is, th- what is this one? I don't know what this is. But yeah, definitely a good book if you're like spy novels, romance novels, um, po- politics. Okay. It's got everything I mean, in there. If it's like Pillars of the Earth, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking for my choice. Um, have you ever read the book A Prayer for Owen Meany by John Irving? No. What is that? Okay. So, well, a, it's long. It's not quite as long as some of your books, but it's 627 pages. It's no slouch. And so it takes place in the early 50s. And the story, so it's narrated by this man who's kind of reflecting on his friendship when he was young. So a lot of the story is about these two 11-year-old boys who are best friends and Kind of the crux of the story is that during a Little League baseball game in New Hampshire, the one little boy, Owen Meany, hits a foul ball that actually hits and kills the other boy's mother. What? Yeah. So... I mean, it's it's a crazy start, but but Owen Meany, who hit the ball, he doesn't really believe in accidents. So from that point forward, he feels that he is God's instrument, and the story kind of takes place after that, and it's really extraordinary. Hit killed with a foul. It's not. I mean, that sound. It sounds like a real downer. It's not that it's a downer. <laughs> it's just that is not the direction that I thought that that book was going to go. I thought no. it was like coming of age, two kids over a summer. And it is that. Two, it's definitely a story that you don't want to end. There are a few books that I actually laugh out loud and I cry in. Did you laugh at the, the foul ball scene? I didn't. I mean, that was that was really tragic. That made me tear up. But it's it's really compelling. Also, I will say, like, Owen Meany, I listened to it on audiobook, which kind of gave it a different spin because they talk a lot about the description of Owen Meany. He's really, really small and he's really thin and he has this unnaturally high voice. So during the whole book, every time he'd talk, he'd be like, I'm an instrument of God. <laughs> it's really, no, but it's good. It's not, I'm not selling so this well. So what you're saying is don't pick up the audio book. <laughs> <Yeah>, See, <laughs> I mean, read. it's just if you read it, you have to at least do that voice in your head. Well, now how could you not? Now it's just going to be, it's all up in there now. Yes. All right. <laughs> all right, fine, Jacob. What else do you recommend? Well, I don't know after. <laughs> and nothing high-pitched squealing. <laughs> 
But you know what? Actually, going thinking about audiobooks with people doing weird voices, I'm going to go and jump to the fantasy realm. Okay. I am going to recommend, um, you know, this is a, it's an underground pick. No one's going to have heard of it, no, huh? No, not a person. Let's, let's hear it's it. It's going with... Game of Thrones by George R. R. Martin. Game of Thrones. Yes, yeah, it's a little, it's a little indie book. A little indie book out there. You're probably going to start something. I know. You know, if only somebody would put it on TV, it could mm. be a hit. So, but um, as everybody, we're being sarcastic here, but as everybody knows, Game of Thrones, one of the biggest properties in the world right now, uh, based on the book series that was started way back in the 80s. Mid 80s is when that first book came out. Um, the first one is the shortest one, so it does qualify for our grouping it's about 550 yeah. pages something like that they were long but they go fast although i have to admit i only read three mm. and then after book three i couldn't get into book four and i decided that i would just stick with the tv show that's probably a wise move Four, not bad when you read it a second time but the first time you try to read it it is you read it twice you gotta read them twice you know how many characters are in game of thrones there's like hundreds 400 something characters easy wow and stuff that's Maybe and a, and a lot of happen pages. on the show. Maybe. I don't know. You must be a fast reader. Well, it depends on the storyline. All right. So I'll what, grab... What would you uh, recommend for another 500 pages? So my last one in this... Uh, so I don't really love classic books. Not like as a whole, but I would say that a lot of times when I pick up a classic that, you know, on these lists of 100 books you need to read before you die, I don't always love them. I don't know if they just don't age well for me and they don't always resonate. But East of Eden by John Steinbeck. Mm, okay. Is amazing. Never read it. What's it about? So I don't want to give too much away, but it's definitely like a multi-generational tale um, about two brothers. It has sort of, you know, based in that Cain and Abel of the, the battle between uh, two brothers. It's long. It is probably almost 700 pages. Okay. Um, but you want all of those pages. None of those are rushed. You know, I actually just gave my copy to my neighbor next door. She's super hip. And, you know, trying to, to spread it. And she is so far, she's loving it. So if um, you don't want to trust me, trust my hipster neighbor. I think I'd rather trust you. Go <laughs> with. How um, is it? Um, Steinbeck has a reputation of himself for being one heck of an author. How would uh, how would you rank this on your Steinbeck list? I've only read um, maybe one other. Oh, OK. What was maybe the two. My cement. Oh, that makes sense. So, I mean, I liked it way better than that. Yeah. But, you know, everything is better when it's not kind of being forced to. Yeah, not it, whenever so. it's not a John Malkovich movie, it's usually for the best. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I think that's a good place to end it. So uh, We did it. We made our we inaugural made our episode. our first episode. Yay. Thank you to all six people that probably listened to it. But you're going to grow. Yes. So we are, know it. we are planning to uh, record this podcast every week. So it should be out every Monday for you guys, for your listening pleasure. Yeah, so so follow us. Again, I'm Michelle Snyder. I'm Jacob Miracle. And we really appreciated this. Wait, Jacob, before we go. What are you doing? I to ask you something. What's that? What is the tallest building in the world? I don't know. What's the tallest building in the world? The library, because it has the most stories. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, is this going to be a thing now? Oh. Wait for it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, take care. Bye.